No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. If you got just a little money but a whole lot of heart, Doug and Mo will sit back and watch your art. It's their duty just doing their part. Now let's hear if they recommend it or not. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. Mo Porn and Doug Tilly. No budget nightmares. No budget Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, that's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly. Bow, 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 Number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. I gotta say, Mo, your introduction for me just then wasn't as enthusiastic as I'm used to. Uh, sorry? Yeah. <laughs> you should be sorry. It's a time to be enthusiastic. It's a time to fight the power, Mo. It's actually been a bit longer than usual. This is our first episode, really of November that we're uh, recording right now. Yeah. And there's a there's a few reasons for that, Mo. Don't you recall that there are a few reasons? Are there? Okay, well, one, I had a health crisis where I had sharp rocks stick out of my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Now, I had some uh, like severe kidney stone attack, uh, and people who... Follow me on social media. I already know all about that. I, I, and they also know probably that Eric Roberts, the actor, had a similar kidney stone attack at the exact same time as I had mine. So I'm thinking that mine were just sympathy kidney stones. Maybe it's, they didn't exist at all. It's kismet. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but there's another thing that's happened between the time of our most recent episode, Mo, and the time that we're recording this one. Oh, you mean the ending of All Mankind? Yeah, no, it's the ending yeah. of All Mankind that yeah. happened because of the people in your country. The people in my country are fucking idiots. Look, I don't want to so- sorry, generalize. F- sorry, 47% of America, but you're idiots. Frankly, we have a right-leaning audience here on No Budget Nightmares for whatever reason. Uh, and they don't like us to talk politics, so we're not going to get into it. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> your country is, is so fucked. Like, it's super fucked right now. It's yeah. It's uh, man. We've we have got we've got four bad years ahead of us. You know, unless we get it hasn't even started yet. Yeah, it hasn't even started yet, and he's already fucking gone insane. He's already insane. And like, there's like there's like Nazis now everywhere, and like yeah, and and like the economy is turning to shit, and he's he's doing something crazy and illegal every single day. It is like having. I mean, it's it. The best thing is I don't want to get into it. <laughs> the best well, thing we'll is just finish that statement though. I, I want I want to hear the end of that statement. The best thing is the best thing is that there are certain like groups of people in this world who are just pretending it's not happening. Yeah. Who are just like completely unwilling to accept and eh, Nazis nah, whatever. It's no. Well, I mean I like there are people who are, who have been like and 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 I know he's a listener to the show. So if you hear this, you know who I'm talking about. Um, like I know that, and like, I have people who are trying to tell me that like, that like, you know, that the alt-right movement and let's just call them what they are, the fucking neo-Nazis, you know, are, that it's not a hate group and that it's really yeah. just about this and not that. Fuck you. It is a fucking hate group. It's about know, states' you, rights. That's it's, what it's yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. Please. 
<laughs> oh, so 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 we are setting up for another civil war then. Oh, great. <laughs> the South's going to rise again. Uh-huh. So anyway, yeah. your country your country is totally fucked. And I mean, uh-huh. we're only talking about well, the big stuff, but there's yeah, lots of say, little stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're seriously fucked for the next four years, but then we're majorly fucked for at least a generation after that, thanks to the Supreme Court. Yay! And let's not forget that you you have elected someone who doesn't believe in climate change uh, yep. and, and has put someone in charge of the environment who also doesn't believe in it. And, yep. you know, we kind of rely the rest of the world on you guys, like, accepting that that shit is happening so you can do something about it. Since, you know, over here in the Western world, we're the kind of people who are responsible for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And now it's not going to happen at all. And we're already past the tipping point anyway. So we're so, like, we're going to be lucky if it's not Waterworld in four years. Yeah, well, at least then I can pee into a Mr. Coffee and drink it. I guess. Well, Mo. I'm trying to, to put sell- silver, silver linings on this. I appreciate it. Let, to- let's, 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 let's just revel you know, in the fucking debauchery now. We might as well. I will say that there's a part of me that went almost nihilist after this shit all went down, which is just like, well, let's just watch it burn. Let's just, let's yeah. just set this shit on fire and watch it burn. But I have too many friends who are really at risk because of all the shit that's gone on to, to stick to that for you too long. Both, man. But you I will both. say that that in terms of nihilism, there's nothing that we could have done that was more like self-immolation than choosing this week's movie for No Budget Nightmares. <laughs> uh, that's a good segue. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you ain't fucking kidding, man. You ain't fucking dipped, kidding. We dipped Mo back into the catalog of one Mr. Neil Breen. Yeah. He's a filmmaker of some <laughs> renown. And we've covered one of his movies before. Yeah, we covered I Am Here dot 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 now. A very popular episode of No Budget Nightmares. And one that people <laughs> refer to a lot, uh, probably. <laughs> I, I'm guessing. I will say that it's it's kind of an interesting episode because, look, Neil Breen has almost mainstream recognition now. Because of all those like so bad it's good type articles about his movies, right? But but the ones that are usually covered on those are not the ones that we've uh, have now talked about. Both I am here now, which he never talks about, which seems to be almost entirely wiped off the history of the internet. Uh, right. And his first movie, Double Down, which did initially get him attention, but it doesn't seem to be the one that people talk about in terms of let's sit down and watch a Neil Breen movie. And now right. Mo and I know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe we should have gone with our original choice of fateful findings <laughs> yeah i fucked up like we actually agreed to watch fateful findings and then somehow in my brain i was like well of course we bet double down especially because double down for whatever reason is on youtube right now uh i guess both of them are to some extent they both are yeah yeah uh and so i i just and also double downs earlier and it also is very much more reflective of the kind of no budget attitude that we celebrate here on the show, or I should say, usually celebrate on the show. <laughs> but it's it's it was really funny though because uh, you know like I think I think most of our listeners understand how the show sort of goes. You, you tend to watch the movie first, and then you uh, give a list of like what the audio clips for the movie are going to be to me, and then I watch it so that I have I can keep it in my notes where they are. So he so I get the email this week. You know, it's like here's here's the double down clips, and I'm like. 
don't you mean Fateful Findings? Because that's the movie you sent me the link for. And it's fucked. <laughs> it's, like, it's like double fucked because I had watched it twice at that point and taken all the notes. <laughs> and wouldn't it have been crazy if you had already watched a different movie? <laughs> yeah, I would have uh, felt really bad to make you watch another movie. Because <laughs> that's how that would have went down. Yeah, it's uh, all right. But as we, uh, for those who have listened to the last episode on the Body Beneath, which I actually think is a classic episode of No Budget Nightmares, I think it's a great one. episode. Yeah, I think I think it's a great ep. Um, and <laughs> what we did, what we both did for that episode, is something we don't usually do, which is watch the movie uh, separate, like not watch it with taking any notes at all, and then watch it and take notes. And right. that's something I did with this movie this time. I watched Man, it in bed, and then later that day, I <laughs> fucking uh, took notes on it. Man, am I glad I didn't do that this time. I understand it took you a while to watch this movie. It did take me a bit. Yeah, it took me about two hours to get through the first 45 minutes. And I mean, part of it was the movie's fault. Part of it because there was stuff happening here that I started to deal with. But um, What's that yeah, then? Took me, oh, no, just, uh, you know, dealing with my fucking former roommate and, and just little shit. Not, nothing major, but uh-huh. it, did detra- it did detract from the movie a little bit. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I had to go on a couple of uh, uh, expletive uh, laced tirades. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then I got back to the film. And actually, the second half of the movie took me significantly less time to do. I think I did the, the last bit, you know, on in about an hour. So, yeah, it took me about three hours to watch this hour and a half movie. <laughs> so we're going to talk about 2005's Double Down, directed by Neil Breen. But we should mow... For people who are unfamiliar with Neil Breen, we don't we shouldn't treat every episode like everyone listening has listened to every other episode of No Budget Nightmares. Let's give a quick primer on who Neil Breen is once again. Um You know all about him. I don't. I know he's nuts. He well, let's not let's not go that far. I think that's I know his I, filmmaking Okay, how about this? I know his filmmaking style is insane. Okay. That I think is yeah. a fair thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Breen is an architect. Now, okay. someone right now is listening and they're saying, don't you mean he's a real estate agent and that's how he got his money to make Double Down? No, the truth is he was a real estate agent for a short amount of time and there's a very famous photo of his real estate like signage. Uh, but he's an architect and that's how he raises monies, monies, Jesus Christ, <laughs> for, for making his series of weird uh, independent films. Mm-hmm. So... Imagine this man, like, how old do you think Neil Breen was when he made Double Down? 65. Sorry, say that again? <laughs> I said 65. All right. I think that yeah. might be a little I'm, more... A little hyper hyperbolic. No, I, I, he was, I don't know. He probably looked like he was in his, like, maybe late 30s, mid 40s-ish. Late 30s? Age range. Mo, we're in our to late mid- 30s. Yeah, it's true. I keep forgetting that. I'm in my late 30s. Um, you think he looked the same age as us? I, no, he looks he looks way better than us. <laughs> uh, his ball that? sack looks better than my ball sack, I'll tell you that much. I cannot believe I saw his ball sack. <laughs> uh, I don't know, pro- probably in his 40s, 50s, you know. So you just said aged. late 30s a second ago, and now you're going yeah, 40s, so, so he's so he's like So he's like anywhere from 25 to 104. Just somewhere in that range. I would say in this movie he was in his mid to late 40s. I think that's pretty fair to say because that's how he looks 
you weird person. Um, <laughs> and But think about it. So he's in his mid-40s. He's made money, you know, working as a real estate agent and architect. Uh, and he decides that this is his lifelong dream. He wants to make a movie. He wants to direct it. He wants to star in it. He wants to write it. He wants to do almost everything except for lighting and hair and makeup, as we'll get into. <laughs> as, uh, we, as we see in the credits. And, yeah. and this is the movie he wanted to make. And to a very great extent, it's incredibly, incredibly admirable what he's yeah. done here. Sure. Because this is his vision, and it is fucking crazy. Yeah. And it's also um, representative of almost all the errors that we see in a lot of super low-budget movies. Almost uh, every single one, yeah. Right. Except, like, he obviously had a little bit more money than a lot of the people's movies that we watch on this. But and he, he, he had a really, really amazing access to stock footage, too. Yes. And he had like, some... I, of- I, will, I will say that a lot of the stock footage he uses in this is surprisingly good. Yeah, it's so good that when it switches off of it, it becomes very obvious that it's not as good what we're that's, watching. That's true. So he's made the error, I would say, of putting himself in 90% of the scenes of the movie, despite having limited acting skills, I would say. Yes. Uh, but his other error is that um, he's made a movie that doesn't make any sense. But it might oh, have been intentional. Makes, yeah, yeah, no fucking sense whatsoever. So it's it, but it's also it's sort of a weird sort of a dreamlike movie. Now we did watch I Am Here Now, where Neil Breen plays a alien Jesus, and I mean I'm not that's not just like us making a joke. That's who he plays in a movie, Alien Jesus. Yeah, he's Alien uh, Jesus. Yeah, and so I did not think it was possible for him to create a character that was more egocentric than Jesus Christ, but somehow in the movie Double Down, he does. Yes, for some for some reason, he is more Christ-like in this than I mean I don't want to say I mean he's not like Christ-like, but he's more like impressive in this than he is when he's playing Alien Jesus. So let's just let's just get into the plot a little bit before we actually get into the step by step plot. Yeah, we, so, we got we got to hurry this up because cancer chemo's kicking my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so Neil Breen plays a character named Aaron. Brand and who is Aaron Brand in this movie, Mo? Um, <laughs> he is Aaron Brand is the uh-huh. best at everything. Yes, uh, he is. He is a bioterrorist. Uh, yes, uh, you know. I mean that. That's the best. Like he's like he's like that. He's a bioterrorist with a heart of gold. Yes, because he, <laughs> despite the fact that he's put biochemical bombs in most major cities and has yeah. been apparently responsible for the death of thousands and has been testing yes. his uh basically something he can put in the water supply and just kill anyone he still donates all of the money he makes to children's charities and for the recovery of people uh dealing with natural disasters including hurricanes like katrina yeah. uh he also uh respects the troops even though apparently he works for their enemies yeah, it's just the whole thing. It's just crazy. And he's also depressed. He's really, really, really depressed because his girlfriend was murdered by somebody because he was getting too powerful and they were afraid to try to kill him because he was so good at everything. And also, uh, if he doesn't call into some number every three days, like all these biochemical bombs will go off all over yeah. the world. What if he yeah, just like... 
has a concussion I was say, or something. I, yeah, I was going to say, I wonder what his contingency plan is for, like, a coma. Yeah. Or he breaks his leg. Or yeah. maybe he just doesn't have access to a phone. Right. Come on, come on. You've seen how many phones he has. He always has access to a phone. Well, he's he certainly always has direct TV. Um. <laughs> <laughs> like I like I wonder like like what if he got mercury poison from all the tuna he eats? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the world's going to end because he can't stop eating tuna. So, this is going to be a hard movie to talk about because going step by step through it is going to reveal the fact that it really doesn't fit together in any logical way. It does. Uh, which is sort of its defining trait, but it's also what makes it a very annoying movie to watch. It's a super annoying movie to try to take notes on because you're like, yeah, okay, there's a ghost or is that a kid? Is that a he's what is? But they're on the road, but they're in the car, but what? I also couldn't Half- tell when he was dreaming and when he was awake. Uh, and also, I have 28 sound clips from this movie, yeah. and I think 27 of them are Neil Breen because it's almost he, there's there's probably a paragraph worth of dialogue from other characters in this movie. Everything else is him. Like this voiceover yeah, I, that seems to be setting up like the plot starting, and it lasts the entire movie. Yeah, was, well, I like I like until about the 20 minute mark, I was I was keeping notes on how long this sort of voiceover thing was happening, and I'm like, oh, right, we're 20 minutes in, and he's still talking about himself, and he's and I'm like, then it kind of dawned on me, like as we hit the 30 minute mark and the 40, like this just isn't gonna end. It's like the no. whole fucking movie. It's the whole movie. The so entire the movie, movie is what the entire movie is what is what most movies do in the first like five minutes to set up the rest yeah, of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. And it's 80% stock footage, 15% mm-hmm. voiceovers, and 5% other stuff, which is completely confusing. Most of which is him running around a desert, climbing up rock faces and yeah. climbing down rock faces. and Yeah, or so, his balls. So speaking of balls, we start with stock footage of us flying through the, cra- the crowds, the clouds, the clouds, Mo. <laughs> clouds. Coming down he- from heaven. Which which doesn't he reuse the same footage in um, I am here now? I am almost one hundred percent certain that he does indeed reuse yeah, that footage. Because there's definitely there's definitely flying through the cat clouds uh, footage in that as well. And then that cuts to more stock footage of kind of like a helicopter shot of these desert canyons, um, yeah. and which I guess all have to be in Las Vegas because just like his other movies, this takes place in Las Vegas. Yep. And then Aaron introduces himself to us. Let's get a sense both of the character and Neil Breen's acting style right now. My name is Aaron Brand. I always thought I was doing the right thing and preparing for life. I was the first in my class in college in computer science. I joined the military and became a fighter pilot and won many medals for distinguished service. <laughs> he's, won, <laughs> he's won many medals and we get to see them a little bit later on. He's. I've won many medals. So, like oh this, this first twenty minutes is mostly composed of his voiceover talking about how great he is. It's this is the most braggadocious film I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> but his motivation for becoming a bad guy was the death of his girlfriend, and he talks a little bit about how they met right here. I met the love of my life when I was seven, and stayed with her forever. We loved each other, and we're getting married. Like, that doesn't make any sense, what he just said. Yeah. Like, why did he say, we're getting married? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems going, like... Ma- we're go- going to get married. 
No, well, there can't. She's dead, and he's she's dead at the point where he's saying this. No, I know that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if he said we loved each other and we were going to get married, like, would have made yeah. a mu- much more sense. Whatever. I mean, like, the dude's that he's he's touched. I get the impression that how this movie is structured is probably not how the original script looked. You know that it it it. Oh, some... that, that's 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 kind. Do you think there was a script? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's like he shot a ton of footage. Like I would even not even be surprised if there was not a voiceover originally, and that he. See, I, like don't, a- I don't. I don't think this movie was intended the way that the bar napkin that he wrote the plot. Out <laughs> <laughs> so now he. Okay, so he was this brilliant guy who was in the military, and he was a computer hacker, and then he went rogue after they killed his girlfriend, and now he lives in the desert, basically, and. 90% of this movie, I mean, I already made percentages, but okay, a good half of this movie is him just sitting in the desert uh, using three laptops at once, even though none of them appear to be turned on. Typing on a bunch of broken laptops. Yep. Yeah, typing on a bunch of broken laptops. And uh, sometimes he has a needle in his hand because he makes biochemical weapons. So I guess that's, you need to have a needle to do that. Well, yeah, uh, and obviously. He ha- and he has like a TV satellite dish um, for like direct TV attached to the back of his car. Uh, two, actually, yes. And, and sometimes he like fiddles with the the bolts on them. That's that's my favorite part. Is was him was him like I assumed it was him attaching them, even though they were clearly already attached, and he's basically just sliding a wrench <laughs> around them. He says, "I have access to the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency from my simple, brilliant setup." <laughs> His simple, brilliant setup is a Directv fucking dish and three broken laptops. Yeah, there's a great moment uh, where he talks about how many like laptops he has and how many cell phones he has. And, like, it's like I've got, tw- I've always have like twelve laptops and seven cell phones. You know, <laughs> at, at po- points throughout the movie, he's like walking down the edge of a cliff, and there's like hidden laptops and garbage bags around. Yeah, why? Yeah, they're just everywhere. How is he charging up these laptops? Exactly. I feel I I worried about that too much while I was watching the movie. I'd like to think that like every other day he just rents a hotel room and just plugs in all of his laptops for the night. So, so not only is he the best in the world at being this kind of techno covert, he's agent. the greatest in the world at what he does. That's right, and what he does <laughs> is not good. Um, <laughs> so let's hear about some of his more. Um, positive contributions to society. Sure. I work as a freelance agent now for many countries, making millions of dollars on many various covert assignments. (laughs) I've been giving away the money to children's support charities all over the world, orphanages, hospitals, and schools, and to support the evacuees of natural catastrophes all over the world, like hurricanes, like Katrina. Ooh, that George Bush. FEMA and whatnot. Uh, Good job, Brownie. I, you might have noticed listening to that sound clip that there's a notable difference in sound quality after he gets certain lines out. I mean, mm-hmm. it just makes it just adds to the thought that this is like this patchwork quilt of a fucking movie. Oh yeah. What is the what's the message of this movie, Mo? Uh, fuck Las Vegas. I honestly think there's a sincere message here that we're supposed to be concerned about bioterror above all else and that the government is hiding that danger from us. 
Yeah, I guess. I, I It's just, like, um, I was so, like, brain hurt watching this movie that, like, I mean, really from, like, I mean, we're only five fucking minutes into the film at this point. <laughs> and, like, and, like, I'm already, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I love that the one of the themes from I Am Here Now come up comes up very briefly here, which he talks about that he's also hired to take care of white-collar criminals. So it yeah, just yeah. shows him point a gun and and no like it doesn't show who he's shooting but apparently he shoots somebody and then he goes the fields are full of their bodies and we just see like a hand jutting out of the ground yeah 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 he doesn't like white collar criminals this uh this neil brain well you know they they're pretty bad yeah they fucked up I, I like the, the economy i think i think one of my favorite things that he implemented in this probably because he found the stock footage and thought it looked awesome <laughs> was he he implements the fact that he's been you know that he's had a lot of medical procedures, and that he's that he's got a bunch yes. of like bio, bio implants, and like there's just this like really ratty stock footage of like like somebody working on like an arm, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of gross. But I'm like, wow, that's, that surprisingly works. <laughs> yeah, he's not but just. It, some... but, but but those bio so... implants, like with the exception of like the one that he digs out of himself later, are never mentioned again. Like they're never mentioned not, again. Never mentioned again. He can't just be a hacker. He has to be the six million dollar man as well. Yeah, he's he's a fucking cyberpunk. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't use any of those skills. Like there are certain aspects of this movie which veer into science fiction, but there's only two of them. There's that the 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 fact that he has bio implants that he never <sighs> uses, and the fact that apparently he has access to a satellite that both makes him invisible and kills anyone that gets too close to his car. Which is another great fucking scene where he's he's sitting by his car and he's invisible and some dude's trying to walk up to him and he just starts holding his head. It's like, ah, and then falls yeah. over dead. Yeah, it so just falls over dead. Ridiculous. So you so might wonder dumb. how Aaron is surviving on the road. Well, this is how. I don't need much to live on anymore. I just eat tuna out of the can and live in the car. So he loves to He loves tuna so much that he accidentally spills some all over himself, you know, because he's the best at everything he does except for (laughs) eating tuna, apparently, uh, and almost crashes his car because he spills tuna on himself. It's, oh. He also also only, I mean, he wears a couple of outfits in this movie, but almost the entire movie he's wearing the same outfit, which is a pair of jeans and a black shirt with the, um, uh, the arms cut out of it. Yeah, well, that's how you keep it classy. Yeah, so yeah. you must smell so bad. <laughs> well, yeah, that and being covered in tuna juice all the time. <laughs> tuna juice? Um, yeah. I don't know. Why does he keep the cans? Uh, because they're a convenient plot point later on in the film. <laughs> so this is where he mentions right after this that governments don't dare kill him because mm-hmm. he's planted biological weapons in seven major cities and has to send a coded command to them every three days. Bioterror. And then he mentions the invisible shield that we were talking about, this laser force shield that, uh, well, this is what happens with that. The force shield will cause death if an intruder gets too close. So, yeah. (laughs) I don't know how that person found him, but then again, he doesn't move anywhere from this one spot next to a bunch of desert rocks. Yeah, I mean, well, he doesn't have to, like, fucking hide, you know. I mean, like... He he has a force field that will uh, that will murder anybody who gets close to him, and uh, you know, and he's got multiple laptops that he types on at the same time to uh, 
to to stop people from finding him. I guess. And I don't know. He also mentions here for the first time that he supports the United States troops. <laughs> he says, "I support our troops, but there's no way for them to win a modern war." So I guess he's going to like kill a bunch of them, or just people in general. Who knows? Well, in case you're c- curious about his skills, uh, let's hear him. I can start and end wars through my electronic, satellite, and computer skills. <laughs> and computer skills. <laughs> See, I have he's to, not I as impressive to computer my, skills. Yeah, I have to. I have to admit, one of my favorite things that that has obviously been uh, a trend between the two Neil Breen films we've watched so far are that he's like. He gets really philosophical, but but like the stuff he gets philosophical about is like insane. Yeah, and and, uh, and he's like and he's like very like mystical, you know, and uh, <laughs> and it's it. I love like the weird spirituality of his movies, even though they're psychotic. Yeah, it's like watching a Jodorowsky movie, except made by someone with a developmental disability. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, speaking of something stupid and uh, ridiculous, we now see him encounter a younger version of himself. A child that's supposed to be him as a child. But we're never told that. No, we're never told that. We're yeah. supposed to infer that, Mo, because that's what movies are about, inferring things. Yeah, that's what it is. And then he goes, where are you? Where am I? You're me. So I guess he does kind of say it. <laughs> <laughs> And we also see him handing off bioweapons to somebody, and he just says, proceed. And that's – like, there are so many things that are not parts of the plot that happened in this movie where it's just like little sequences where he meets someone and he talks to someone for a second or he makes a swap of, uh, of anthrax for needles or something like that. And it doesn't play into anything. It never builds to anything. Nope. I also, I, don't really... I also really love the way he says – proceed in this in this particular scene because he doesn't say proceed he says proceed (laughs) (laughs) i'm like like oh so this is going to charity too okay so this is where i thought the movie proper was going to start Mm -hmm. which is it shows aaron go next to a small pond and he dumps something in the water and we are led to believe that what he's dumping in the water is some sort of chemical that he will is testing at the moment and is then going to use in the water supply of, I guess, the rest of the world? I'm sure. Sure. It's, well, it's not explained. It, it is not, and this is what he says when he's doing it. I need to test it now, here, before I place it in the entire lake. I don't know what he means by that because he's putting it in the lake, right? So what does he yeah, mean right. by the entire lake? So he puts this shit in the water, and then we get footage of, like, dead fish, uh, like, washing up on shore. Right, exactly. So, like, if that tiny little bit of whatever that white powder is was enough to kill just those fish, like, like, so is it now, like, inert? You know, is it not going to kill anything else? Yeah. Like, right? What if someone went swimming in that lake right now? Would they end up dead as well? Is that right. how that's going to work? Exactly. Not to mention the fact that that's probably the lake he washes himself up in. So, I mean, like, he's putting himself at risk here. It looks very much like the lake in which he has a vision of his dead parents. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a moment. Yes, so, we will. So back to the rocks where Aaron's just climbing around. And this is where he finds a laptop stored under a rock wrapped in a garbage bag. 
Then it cuts to stock footage of NASA. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to a weird sleeping bag on the ground. Now, what's happening in this sleeping bag, Mo? Uh, well, there seems to be, like, movement inside of it. Mm-hmm. But who knows what the fuck that means. It's it's not like a sleeping bag where your head pokes out of it. it it's, it's not covering... a sleeping bag at all. It's a one-person yeah. tent, but it's just not set up. Yeah, it's not set up. So it's like yeah. a deflated tent. Yeah. That he's it, just kind it of actu- like... It actually looks a lot like those, uh, like those one-person tents that you'd, like, hang up on, like, the side of a rock face. Like, if you were doing, like, a long rock climb. Like right. mountain climbing, but like it's yeah. So, but it's but it's not set up in any way whatsoever. He's just so it's basically just like a body bag, right? So yeah. and it, and it, there's just movement, like weird kind of wild movement inside of it. Yeah, yeah. And then the voiceover says, "Come back to me, come back to me." And then we get footage of him and his girlfriend as kids, uh, playing. We get to see them on a playground, but then they're just like like walking in a field, and then it shows him and the girlfriend as grown up people like dancing in a field. Yeah. And which is the, which is the closest thing to context we get in the movie. So let me remind you, listeners, that at the beginning of the movie, he said that him and his girlfriend knew each other since they were seven years old, right? Which yeah, is why yeah, yeah. they knew each other as kids. So they waited. They developed their relationship if he's in his, say, mid to late 40s for like 40 years. And by the way, despite the fact of the, uh, that they might have waited 40 years, she looks a good 10 years younger than him. <laughs> so how does she, that work? She's just aging really well. Yeah, I guess so, right? Either that or he's aging really poorly. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, bioterror will take a lot out of you. A lot of these sound clips that we're going to play are just going to sound so random, but they seem random in the movie, too. Yeah. Because every once in a while, he'll start like crying out and and saying these random things especially because the indication is sometimes these are dreams because he constantly wakes up next to his car on the ground with the word help me written in blood so he says this uh after after doing some more computer work in his back seat and more stock footage of scientists uh he says uh, this i can't leave you i love you which i guess is a message to his girlfriend but her ghost, because he sees her ghost in his dreams every night. But then it cuts to a flashback of them at a resort, Mo. And this is the most important scene in the entire movie. This is the most awkward nudity I've ever seen in a movie ever. It's very strange. So we get some footage of, of like a real resort and then mm-hmm. a swimming pool, which features Neil Breen and this woman, his girlfriend. And she is wearing, uh, she's topless and she's wearing sort of flesh-colored... Uh, a bathing suit for her bottom, bathing suit bottom. Yeah, she's wearing like a th- flesh-colored thong type Yeah, basically, thing. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. her body is turned in a really strange way. Yeah. <laughs> so her ass is facing the camera, but her body is kind of turned 90 degrees. Very she's, strange. She, basically, it was like, fine, I'll be naked in your movie, but I'm not showing my breasts. Yes, that yeah. is exactly right. M- meanwhile, yeah. Breen is like, well, fine, I'm, but I'm going full hog. He's completely naked. He is completely naked. <laughs> And they have this sort of conversation that you would have at a resort while completely naked. I love being with you. I love you. Will you marry me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> We've known each other for 40 years. Yeah. Will you marry me? <laughs> I, 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 have to, I have to say that um, as interesting and unique of an actor that Neil Breen is... The girl who plays his, uh, the woman who plays his his, his girlfriend, <laughs> is, let's just say, more unique and interesting. 
Do we ever find out what her name is? Uh, no. <laughs> and and a- actually, about halfway through the movie, his name changes. So, you know, because like, because going back into my notes and seeing the things is Aaron Brand. Like, no, but by the end of my thing, they're calling him fucking, they're calling him Eric. He's not Aaron, he's not Aaron anymore. <laughs> I just love his proposal. I love being with you. I love you. Will you marry me? <laughs> yes. This is really bad timing, by the way, because he, he proposes and then she immediately gets shot in the back. In fact, even while they're talking, there's like lasers all over their faces. Well, yeah, exactly. Like there's there's like a la- like how does she not I mean I maybe it's just the weird angle and she can't see him, but like like how does she not say to him there's a red dot on your forehead. Right? Yeah. Uh, whatever. Well, you can't even see it on the wide shots. It's only when they do close-ups. So. <laughs> so then she gets shot, right? And it, then it gets super confusing because first because, there, he, because there's no blood at all? There's no blood. Uh, there, there, it. The editing is really strange because sometimes she's like face down in the water and then he's face down in the water. But I think that's supposed to be symbolic. Uh, because he's like dead because she's like their love is dead or something. Sure. But then he grabs her suddenly and does he makes this sound. <laughs> now if you listen closely, he goes, ah, but then he goes, ah. And I don't know why he goes, ah, as if he's suddenly relieved of something. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. They also show a flower that was floating in the water covered in blood because symbolism. Sure. I don't know why they, they have him... Uh, float face down, but you can see his ball sack, and I didn't want to, but I did. <laughs> well, you can see his dick in the fucking wide shots from the other side, and I'm like... Well, you need a wide shot to, to get that hog all in. <laughs> no, you, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know why you would... Like, he doesn't need to be naked in that scene. He's at a resort, yeah, right? Yeah, I like the, Everyone else clears out of the pool. It's like, that weird old guy is naked over there. <laughs> he keeps talking in this weird sort of stunted way. <laughs> then he says in voiceover, thank you for loving me. We'll always be together. Even in death, we're together. Then he wakes up and he's on the ground outside of his car. Now explain something to me, Mosev. Sure. The words, help me, are written in blood on the side of his car. Why? If I could answer that question, I would be a rich man. This movie does really kind of feel like a, a cry for help sometimes. It feels like a cry for help for me the entire time. Like, it, like it's, it, this is the kind of movie that you should be making in 2016 when everything is turned to shit. Not in 2005. <laughs> then again, you know, you were deep in the Iraq war at that time and Bush was still president. I can see yeah. how people might have been a, a, feeling a little out of sorts. Yeah, this wasn't the halcyon days of the fucking Obama administration. <laughs> when things were fine and dandy like sour candy. Yeah, right. So we then see him change his license plates. Uh, because he says, I'm constantly changing my identity. And now we're and yeah, 22 and, minutes. Well, see, there we go. That's how he's Eric now. <laughs> yeah, right? He's changing his identity. <laughs> then we see him drive to a outdoor bathroom. And he goes in and he changes his clothes. And then he comes out. Yeah. Then we get a callback to I Am Here Now, even though that movie was made after this. Where we see the fabulous, welcome to fabulous Las Vegas sign, which was a big central part of the plot of that movie. I was, um, 
I was having uh, uh, Las Vegas relations. Blood- oh, <laughs> I was having uh, Las Vegas bloodbath. Uh, oh, we're uh, going to talk about Las Vegas bloodbath, Mo. <laughs> you might have read my theory over on the No Budget Nightmares Facebook group. It's very important. I think this was. I actually feel very secure in my theory. Well, I'll have to go check that out in a bit. Oh no, don't check it out. We're going to talk about it on this episode. Oh, sweet! Because here's my theory, Mo. Tell me. I think that the lead actor from Las Vegas bloodbath is in this movie. Do you think? There is a actor with the same name as the lead actor in this movie. Interesting. And I put images of his character in this movie next to images of his character from, uh, well, I say his character, from Las Vegas Bloodbath. I think it's the same guy. Huh. It's Las Vegas. It's the same fucking name, right? At least it's possible. Well, I think I mean, it's, 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 been a good, it's been a good four years since I've seen Las Vegas Bloodbath. So, honestly, I couldn't remember what his fucking face We'll talk about anyway, it when we but, hit it. Yeah. But I, 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 I have images... Of both faces in similar angles. And I'll tell you, man, unless it's just because I really want it to be the case. (laughs) I feel like it could be the same guy. And if it is, this is a breakthrough, right? This is unbelievable that he came out of retirement to be in (laughs) Double Down. (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be absolutely amazing. Somebody get him on the phone. (laughs) So... Neil uh, Breen, uh, resident of Las Vegas, shows the Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas sign and then says, where anything goes, enjoy it while you can. I'm about to end it all. So now he's <laughs> fucking Dr. Doom all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I kind of, well, I mean, you got to remember, his mission for this movie is to shut down Las Vegas for two, yeah. mu- for two months. Now, we haven't talked to, we haven't mentioned that yet, but yeah, that's what his plan, that's what his, like, his end game is here. We don't know why, really. We don't know what the... What the point of it or who has hired him to do it. But uh, let's just talk about it right now. Eventually, we're going to get to a point where he's going to try to shut down Las Vegas. He has a change of heart out of guilt or something. And then he tries to undo what he did, which is all fine and dandy. Except he also, to uh, draw attention away from the fact that he's doing this in Las Vegas, apparently he causes a bunch of like catastrophes all over the world, like train crashes and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he isn't able to stop any of those. No. We don't but, get to see Las Vegas Las, go down. But that's because, well, no, and you don't want to. Las Vegas is a national treasure. Well, <laughs> um, it, I heard it has some really good hot oil wrestling there. Um, but yeah, Ru- uh, Ru- Ruthie loved oil wrestling. <laughs> but but we, we don't get to see any of really, we get to see some stock footage that could be tangentially related to crises, like, uh, like a wildfire and someone getting taken away in an ambulance. Right. But it's not exactly, you know... Uh, a, a plane crashing into the ground or anything like that. Exactly. So he's in Las Vegas and he has a meeting with somebody. And from this dialogue, try to figure out what the fuck is going on. I just arrived in town an hour ago. <laughs> it's nice to be here working with the agency in another assignment. Although I can't be too careful. I'm There's not going in your office buildings. I know they're all bugged. Not to mention the skeletons that are in there. <laughs> the horns honking are amazing. <laughs> like you, like you know, it's like you couldn't have redone that over and fucking in in do that ADR. You know, you had to leave the car honks honks in. So let's explain how all of the dialogue scenes in this movie are shot. They're all shot from the neck up with close-ups, with characters never appearing in the same frame together. Mm-hmm. 
So it like he could have shot that anywhere. In fact, he almost certainly didn't shoot it in the location that the wide shots took place in. Right, right. Um, and it's also very strange because he's having a conversation with someone who is ostensibly um, to his right, like from our angle, right? He's on the left of the screen. This guy's on the right. However, right. sometimes it switches so he's looking left instead. Well, continuity is hard, you know. It really isn't in this case. Like it's just, <laughs> absolutely you just need, not. Yeah, you just need to look in one direction and stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's talking to some guy about trying to stop a terrorist planning something larger than nine eleven, and mostly it's just an excuse for Neil Breen to go on a monologue about how dangerous biological weapons are. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this guy he's talking to would be interesting. I don't know who this guy is that he's talking to. I think he's supposed to be like a U.S. Uh, representative of something of the military? Sure. It's never no said. Way to know. It's, yeah, it's not said, so I can't even comment on it. I have no fucking clue. And like he will eventually work in in some brief scenes with some people, and I don't know if they're supposed to be good guys or bad guys, or if that's important at all. It's never said. It's not even inferred. Like you, no fucking clue. Like, there's only one character who you think might be a bad guy and that they're helping to stop him. Um, but, who, I mean, really, who fucking knows? Who knows? It's fucking insane. You know, I know we're talking about Double Down right now, but I can't stop thinking about my wonderful Las Vegas bloodbaths theory. And uh, <laughs> I really hope that anyone listening right now uh, can tell me if, if I'm right or not. When we get to the guy, I'll point him out in the, in the context of what we're talking about here. So, so, what you're, so what you're saying is that you're going to double down on your theory. Yeah, I'm going to put it all on red. <laughs> Speaking of Las Vegas, we get uh, some stock footage of a helicopter going over Las Vegas, just like is used constantly in the show CSI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then there's some footage of clubs and people dancing. And then we see, I guess, Neil Breen loading a clip for a gun and then more dancing and then footage of the Las Vegas Strip. <sighs> yeah. So then Aaron wakes up next to his car again. And he immediately gets out of his la- gets out his laptop and starts typing away. Yeah, and then he has this great line where he's like, uh, or he gets a phone call and he's like, and all he says is, "I've received your directions, your, <laughs> your GPS directions," and that's it. That's all he says. And the phone goes away. And then where it's like, he now we see him like he's prepping for action in other cities. Like it's it's ninety nine percent of what he says makes no fucking sense, and it's kind of brilliant and but kind of ridiculous and idiotic at the same time. Yeah, I. So we'll be doing chemical weapons testing in Germany, <laughs> Switzerland, North Korea. <laughs> yeah. And like he goes he goes on this whole like diatribe, like it just happened a little earlier. Uh, diatribe is the wrong word to use. Uh he goes on this whole fucking spiel earlier about how like modern tech will never be able to beat classic guerrilla warfare. And, <laughs> Which is he he's a fucking hacker. What is like, he talking like, about? What are you talking about, man? Like he, you're in entire- a magic fucking shield from the sky that kills people like you literally just said that you can stop and start wars at a whim but now you're saying that the technology that you use can never beat guerrilla warfare he's a walking contradiction this aaron yes so speaking of walking contradiction he uh is now walking around pointing a gun at nothing in particular so, like, this should be a setup with him hearing a sound or something, but no. He's just nope. walking around these, like, rocks with a gun, and he sees an old man just sitting in the middle of the rocks. Yeah, he's literally just sitting there. He's not doing anything. This is Aaron's response to seeing this old man. Old man. 
You don't look like a terrorist to me. <laughs> so, uh, unless uh, unless this is your first time watching a movie, let me explain what that music is in the background. It's supposed to imply that this old man is some sort of religious figure. What? <laughs> yeah, that's what's going on here. And you know he's religious because he tries to stand up and immediately slips and hits his head on a rock and dies like a fucking idiot. Well, you know, just like Jesus Christ, just like that's exactly what Jesus did. Yeah, uh, there's also like a Robocop, great, like Robocop. Robocop walks on water. Thank you. This very is our much. second episode in a row. We're talking about <laughs> Robocop walking on water. Uh, but there's a great moment just before uh, the old man smashes his head on the rocks that uh, Neil Neil Breen is uh, attempting to walk towards him and then trips on a bush. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens here? Is that Neil Breen's character, Aaron, watches this guy fall like a fucking nimrod. Uh, the, then I, like the, as the old man was getting up and trying to walk, I was thinking to myself, like, man, this is me when I wake up in the morning. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, oh, God, no. So Aaron then cradles this old man as he dies, and he says, I was drawn to him. I felt I knew his spirit. And then the old man gives Aaron something. What does he give him, Mo? He gives him a fucking hunk of fool's gold. Yeah, gives him some uh, some uh, a rock, a fucking yeah. rock with yeah, some, it was some, gold in it, maybe. Yeah, and why does he do that? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but but tell me, Mo, what does this rock do for the rest of the movie? Oh well, it imbues him with holy powers. <laughs> why? Uh, be, well, because he has to cure the little girl's cancer. Come on, man. Now what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly, because it hasn't happened yet. And we're like, what the fuck? So, so of course, he does what anybody would do in this situation, and he buries the old man. Yeah. And, we, and we get a beautiful shot of an eagle, uh-huh. <laughs> which comes back a couple more times in the film. Yeah, because that's the old man's spirit going to heaven, probably. Right, ex- exactly. And then, an uh, American eagle. An American eagle, of course. Yeah, bald eagle <laughs> all the way, you know. America. And uh, and then, of course, he does what anybody else does after burying an old man and seeing an eagle. He runs up a hill. Yeah, he runs up a hill. And then he wakes up next to his car again. Yeah, with Help Me Written in Blood again. Yeah, and, he's, and in the voiceover, he goes, I'm so alone, but never but lonely. But never lonely, yeah. <sighs> and then we get one of my favorite line readings in this movie. <laughs> this is pretty good. Where he all of a sudden, after waking up, Decides that he, I guess he, I don't know who he's referring to with this, but let's hear him first. This this is Tommy Rousseau level acting right here. This is there's, a, there's a few times, anytime yeah. he has to emote strongly, <laughs> it gets really into that area. So let's have a listen right now. Where are you? Where are you? Oh, hi, Mark. Where are you? <laughs> well, where are you? <laughs> Where's who? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know who he... I guess he's... Is it his girlfriend maybe he's yelling at? Well, that's the thing. It's like... So it's like, who is he yelling for? And then he goes to visit some grave. But grave? That, but, but, you know, and I you assume that this is his girlfriend's grave. Because it's the only person that we know that he has a relationship with. Right. He's dead. Right, exactly. But then... But it's me- not. But it's not because immediately after that... We get a shot of him talking to the ghosts, assuming the ghosts of his mother and father, in which he says this to them. Where are you? Where are you? 
<laughs> Do not cut that. <laughs> no. uh, let's, mention, let's mention, by the way, that he's like kneeling in a pond. Yeah, his... he's kneeling in a lake. <laughs> yeah, the lake from earlier. And his, his parents, who we, again, we haven't been introduced to his parents. He has this conversation with them. Is there life after death? Dad? Is there a heaven? I've got to know. <laughs> we are filled with love and we are at peace. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck is going on here? And then we have this great sort of like Sistine Chapel ceiling moment where they're like reaching out for right. each other. But then right before they touch, the other hand pulls away. Oh. And then they beckon him to follow, but he says no. Right. Okay. Okay. So they walk off. All right. So then what happens? Uh, there's some shots of clouds. No, no, no. But then what happens? <laughs> there's, a, there's another shot of him in the cemetery again. Oh, fine. I see. What I know what there. happens. Aaron appears in some family's house. Just random house eating dinner. We don't know who these people are. No clue. They're never introduced. They he apparently not. has some sort of relationship with them, despite the fact that everything up to this point has suggested that he has no friends because he he is wanted for killing people everywhere. Yep. He is dining with a couple and their young daughter. Mm-hmm. And he is apparently telling the daughter, or I don't know who he's kind of telling this to, but he's talking about how their line of work Everyone thinks it's like a big action movie, but in real life, it's all silent and electronic. Yeah, then he asks for a glass of water. Even though he has a glass, which is three quarters full of water. Yeah, well, he needs to get more water. You know, I don't know stay. why you would ask a still, even a half full glass, to ask somebody to get you water right. when you still have that much left. Exactly. If I was around the table, I'd be like, ooh, he's planning on staying for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, right, I guess we better fucking bunker in now. This is this ain't going to end anytime soon. So the young daughter goes to get him some water. Well, first she asks permission, which I think is yeah. the best part. Like she asks, may I, mommy? <laughs> Yeah, I just love the idea that Neil Breen believes is like that's what kids they should ask for permission to get water. Well, clearly they went to the Milford School. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so the kid goes off, and the parents reveal to Neil, and this is very uh, traumatic for him to hear, that their daughter Megan, I guess that was her, (laughs) was recently diagnosed with brain cancer. Uh, Now I'm crying. Yeah, it's very sad. I mean, I don't know who Megan is. Maybe she's like a daughter of a terrorist. I don't know. (laughs) So she returns with water, though it looks like it's the exact same amount of water in the class to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, because (laughs) Neil Breen can't just be the best hacker and bioterrorist in the world, he also has to be Jesus Christ returned. (laughs) We see from a wide shot that he has a rock in his hand, the rock that the man gave him. He brought it into this person's house for some fucking reason. Why not? He holds it in one hand, and then he takes his other hand and places it on the head of this girl. And he just goes, thank you. And then there's a pause, and he goes, no. Thank you. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, t- say, like telling someone that, they, that your daughter has brain cancer, and the next thing he does is touch her brain? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> It's like, geez, mom and dad, what were you guys just talking about? <laughs> and he and he is like one hundred percent certain that he has cured her of this cancer. 
Yeah. It's so fucking great. Yeah. And we go right from that to him struggling to climb another pile of rocks. Well, yeah, because that's what he does. And then he sees, Just, we see we see him talking to his shape. girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, yeah. He talks to his girlfriend and he says that he wants to use his power to bring her back from the dead. So he's convinced he has power. Oh, yeah. But she says, don't. She says, no, I'll always be here with you. Save it. What is... Save it? Does he have only limited magic? Well, yeah. It's only it's only has so many charges, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, then it, and then it's that it's just gold. So then we get more footage of him pretending to tighten nuts on this DirecTV satellite dish. Mm-hmm. Then we see uh, more fake computer hacking on computers that are turned off. And, and here's another one where he says something really fucking great yeah. too, because like he like he gets a phone call and he's like, "The filters are active. Proceed." <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> we also see that sleeping bag from earlier with just hair in it. Why is that? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I can I can hear every time that you mute your microphone. I, yeah. It is unbelievable how often you are apparently vaping during the course of this fucking show. <laughs> well, you know, it's a uh, it's, it's 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 a stressful show to go through. So yeah, so sometimes the sleeping bag has just a pile of hair in it, and sometimes there's a a skull in it. Mm-hmm. Why? I if I could answer that question, I would have an answer to that question. I have no fucking clue. I we, think the we, idea is that. I think the idea is that that's supposed to be the body of his girlfriend. Oh, really? He took it from the fucking I don't resort? know. I don't know. Because who else does he know that has long hair like that? Wouldn't her hair like not look so luxurious after she's been dead for apparently years? Luxurious? It looks like a fucking shitty wig. Well, I just mean, <laughs> I just mean if it was a dead person's hair, it would look even worse than that. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't no spent enough time with corpses lately. So we get to see a shot of your White House. That one that we burned down years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh, this is the voiceover we, <laughs> we get. The one we burned me. out. Give me the president. <laughs> Contact has been made. <laughs> what? <laughs> so apparently he also works for the president. Well, Probably yeah. Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so then we get some stock footage of a plane landing and a shot of Aaron exchanging bioweapons with someone who <laughs> he is exchanging airborne anthrax with somebody who immediately drops the package and a bunch of it blows out. Yeah. And that's the crazy part because nothing happens. Yeah. Like he drops this package, it breaks open, you know, and all he really says is like, oh, you don't want to get, you know, you don't want to breathe that in once it's airborne, it's deadly. And then, like, but they just pick up the package and fucking walk off. There's no, nothing. I like he says, he goes, be careful. And it's like, well, say be careful before he drops it, not after he puts anthrax into the goddamn air. Or how about this? Why don't you put it into his fucking hand instead of putting it on the fucking trunk of your car so that fucking Butterfingers over there can't drop it? Admittedly, Aaron is supposed to be like a Superman, but despite the fact that he's wrapped this thing in duct tape, he's apparently left an entire corner open of a powder. (laughs) Um, So now we get another piece of the plot of the movie, which involves Aaron driving into a parking lot. He gets out and he talks to two men about bullshit that I don't know what he's talking about. 
but they have to step away from the cars because they might be bugged. They might be bugged. And in fact, we then see a woman ram his car with her shopping cart and he goes, no damage. It's okay. And we discover, and he knows, that the woman was actually trying to bug his car by running the shopping cart into it. So then he asks these men what they want from him. And uh, you can tell maybe he's got a bit of an ego by his what he says here. <laughs> what do you have for me this time? Cryptography? Hacking into a banking system? Shutting down a power grid for a major city? Cutting off the water system for half the country? Hacking into the stock market? Closing down a bank? Fixing an election? It's all easy. Network centric warfare okay they tell him that they want this time an assassination and also first off, i love i first off i love the fact that your notes say technocentric yeah warfare. well i <laughs> i fucked up what it was and that's totally also, fine it's still fucking hilarious no matter what was the real one network centric network centric warfare <laughs> Neil Brain, do you know how a computer works? I know you do because I follow you on Facebook and I see you <laughs> out and around Las Vegas all the time. And <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, so they want to, him to perform some sort of assassination and they say they say by killing their loved ones will kill their spirit. I don't know why I don't just kill the person as opposed to the loved ones, but I don't know. I'm not one of these science guys for the government or hey whatever. Man, this time it's personal. So there's a woman who's videotaping this whole exchange. And she gets shot in the head by somebody. Right. And the guys who were just talking, like, no, there's no notice of it whatsoever. Yeah. 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 I don't know why they killed that woman and not the woman who banged the fucking uh, shopping cart. But it, I, I guess it doesn't matter because we're all, except for these two dudes he was talking to, we never, this doesn't make any difference in the rest of the movie. Right. Here's something that does make a difference for the rest of the movie. <laughs> A couple pulls into a restaurant. Oh, we have to we have to ver- clarify that he s- pulls his car over later yes. and pulls the diode, as he calls diode. it, out of the uh, out of the the spot where she hit his car. Yeah, and he's like, I needed them to know. I needed them to think I didn't see the tracker, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah, fucking stupid. But yeah, because he's smarter than everybody. Uh, yeah. So a couple pulls up to a restaurant. And uh, the they <laughs> a guy a guy is going to park the car for them. He's a what do they call those guys? A valet. A valet. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, so he goes up to the valet. Now Neil does. Neil Breen, the actor, <laughs> and he goes up to the guy. He's like, "Here's two hundred dollars. I want to borrow the car. I'll have it back in an hour before they finish dinner." Like, there's a lot of liability here. <laughs> Right, right. Like, what the fuck? For one thing, in a little bit, he says that he can, um, because of electronic locks, he can basically get any car he wants at any time he wants. So why is he even doing this? Because this is, because uh, that was a, a real fancy fucking car, man. It was a fancy car. Not as fancy as that Ferrari he has a little bit later. No, not, um, not that fancy. So this is the plan of about what what's going to happen. I don't know if this connects to that assassination thing from before. He is going to pretend to be a chauffeur. He's going to drive this vehicle to one of those uh, 24-hour wedding chapel things uh, where you can get like married quickly in Vegas. Going to pick mm-hmm. up a couple. And I guess he's going to poison their drink by poisoning a strawberry that's in their champagne. 
And this is like, you know that game Hitman? It's <laughs> <laughs> yes. just like something that you would do in that game. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, so that's what his plan is. So he borrows this car. He puts on a suit and tie. He goes to the wedding chapel. He injects a strawberry with some sort of, of chemical. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is actually a plot thing that's happening in this movie. Yeah, it's like Maybe something's th- actually happening. Yeah. It's only 50 minutes into the fucking thing. Yep. Um, he picks up a couple. The woman, uh, this is so strange. So they drive off and then they have some dialogue, but all the dialogue happens with the car pulled over at the side of the road for some reason, because yeah, I guess probably the sound of the car was too much for their recording. Um, sure. The woman is very upset because she suddenly has second thoughts about the, the wedding. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, what? Oh, I need a drink. And Neil Breen's like, would you like some champagne? So he gives them the drink <laughs> with the strawberry in the glass. And then he uh, he says this. Congratulations again. We'll be at the hotel in 10 minutes. I don't feel well. <laughs> I don't feel well. <laughs> I feel asleep. <laughs> so the guy the guy just conks over uh and f- like like leans on the girl's uh shoulder asleep or knocked out or whatever i guess he's dead yeah. is he is he dead i i i don't know how come she's not dead because she doesn't die she just gets like paralyzed i think like her body is unable to move that seems to be the i don't know this whole this whole scene makes no this this sense. part is so weird so yeah. he Aaron Neil pulls out the guy from the back of the from the back seat, pulls him outside, and puts him in the trunk of the car. My favorite part about him putting the guy in the trunk of the car is the guy helping him. Yeah, of course he helps him. (laughs) (laughs) Then he gets back in the car, and the woman wakes up, and she's very confused. And then he tells her that they were out partying all night and had sex by a fountain, and then got married. And my favorite line—I should have included it—where he says, "This is Las Vegas, baby." It's like it's it's literally the only personality he shows in the entire fucking movie. So then he gets a phone call and is told that apparently he picked up the wrong couple. Yeah, because there were two couples there. Which leads to a string of batshit things happening all at once. First, he yells at the woman like this. But I've changed my mind. Get out. Get out. The marriage is over. Get out. So he yells at her that the marriage is over and tells her to get out. However, instead of her getting out and running off, it then cuts to him pulling her out of the car and laying her next to the corpse of the guy. Yeah, there's your real husband. Yeah, that's what he says. What is... What? Yeah. Is the guy dead? Is she dead? I think she's alive. Yeah, she's alive because she's looking at the guy. Yeah. You know, I think he's dead, though. But they were both he drinking the, the same poison. Yeah, well, I don't know these things. I'm not a bioterrorist. Okay. Well, anyway, forget all that. Because what happens now <laughs> is the most amazing thing in the history of movies. Mm-hmm. Where he is told that the couple he was supposed to kill have gone to the lake after their wedding. Right. So he goes to the lake. And we see him there loading a gun. <laughs> and he walks up 
to this couple who are sitting in a very kind of slumped over way next to each other. Yeah. And what do we discover, Mo? <laughs> well, we discover that there is um, blood on both of their foreheads. Uh-huh. And that they apparently had uh, killed themselves in a suicide pact. Uh, but but for some reason, they did not fall over when they did this. They shot each other in the uh, middle of the forehead or themselves in the middle of the forehead. Yeah, who fucking knows, man? And now the the natural question that anyone listening to this right now would be like, why did they kill themselves? And his response, well, <laughs> let, let's let him explain it. Let's let him explain this. They committed suicide. A suicide pact. They knew what was coming. They knew what was coming. Sure. So instead of tangling with the brain of Neil Breen, (laughs) they decided, I guess at some point after getting married, someone told them that Neil Breen was trying to kill them. And they're like, well, we're not going to tangle this. We're going to shoot ourselves in the forehead. Well, yeah, because, you know, he has that reputation. I don't know. It is so fucking stupid. It's amazing. Right. But his natural reaction to this, of course, is to run up a hill. Yeah. Then he runs up a hill. Yeah. There's also a skeleton in his sleeping bag. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Because now the sleeping bag is no longer hair. Now (coughs) Now it's a skull. So he runs up this hill and he sees his girlfriend up there and she says, forgive me, forgive me, make time stand still. And I don't know why she says that. And then he wakes up on the ground once again. And his response to this, even though it seems to happen all the time, is to say, Thank you for loving me. I find myself having dreams and nightmares. And when nightmares. I sleep. And waking up on the ground in a sweat. In a sweat. <laughs> so dreams and nightmares. Now a nightmare is a kind of dream. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but he has dreams and nightmares now. So I guess shit is going bad for him. I used to. I have a friend who I used to do make movies with. Who that like that's a total like his sort of line reading. Like where I had, I, you know, I had having dreams and nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> then we see Aaron wandering the Vegas Strip, a la Las Vegas bloodbath. Sure. Uh, and he briefly knocks against a guy and rubs a whole shitload of powder all over this guy's arm, <laughs> and apparently that will kill the guy. Yeah, he said he's probably already dead. Yeah, he's already dead because that's how quickly it works. I don't know why he did it or if he was just choosing to do it at random, but it is fucking so stupid. <laughs> then he yeah, calls. At this point, at, hold on, at this point in my notes, <laughs> at this point in my notes, I say three things have happened other than him talking about his abilities and his dead girlfriend. Like it's 55 minutes in the film and three things have happened. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much. Well, now another thing's going to happen, Mo. Right, right. He, he calls up Amber. Amber. On the, on the telephone. And right. Amber, she's apparently some sort of escort, which they and also this, have. And this is where I wrote down, I said, oh, his name is Eric. <laughs> Maybe he like, has multiple But I love names. the... May, well, uh, clearly he does. He keeps changing yeah. his identity. But uh, but I, I, I love... I, like, I kind of have this theory that the whoever's doing the voiceover here for Amber is actually just Neil Breen with a higher-pitched voice. It does seem to be a male voice. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's not to say that there aren't, like, you know, women with a deeper timber. It happens. But, mm-hmm. you know, this certainly sounds like a Kathleen Turner. Yeah, exactly. And she's and she's got the sexiest voice in the world. This isn't the case here. <laughs> this is clearly 
most likely Neil Breen pretending to be a woman. <laughs> so Amber, he asks her to help him uh, do some sort of setup. He basically tells her he'll give her $100 if, if she helps him with something. No sex involved. And she's like, well, okay, but I want to see you after. And he's like, <laughs> yes, myself. I want to have sex with you too. <laughs> so he then proceeds to steal a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, this is where he says that I can steal any car anytime with their electronic locks and ignitions. It's easy. Well, here's the thing about yeah. any car anytime. There's lots of cars that don't have electronic locks and ignitions. Well, right, locks, exactly. yes. So he asks for a private meeting on the phone with somebody. I don't know who this guy is. Nope. He picks him up in his Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And the plan with the escort is that she's going to walk by and distract him with some cleavage. And then he's going to inject the guy with something, which will immediately make him pass out, right? Or die. Yeah, or, or die. die. I think he but, might, yeah. but it happens immediately. So why does he even need the distraction? Why don't you just inject yeah, him? The distraction seems superfluous to me. Well, so yeah, in, but it, it's, 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 it's superfluous in the respect that, like, you know, or it's not superfluous, I could say, in the respect that, Neil Breen wanted to get a uh, a statuesque woman into the film. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe. Yes. So Just then so. we have a very strange moment where he pulls the Ferrari up in front of those two guys uh, from earlier that he had a meeting with. Yeah. And, and they're like, hey, nice vehicle. <laughs> like, like he's trying to impress them with his Ferrari. Like that's his deal. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, well, check this out. And he pulls off the guy's beard and mustache, and suddenly these two guys, the the guys he had the meeting with, they recognize him now, and they pull their guns. He's like, relax, he, I injected him or something. And then he says, friends of his know that he's with me. I'm a marked man now. So what? <laughs> <laughs> We also learned, by the way, that the escort, she was killed. Right. And then he says the CIA. She wasn't an, yeah, I was going to say she wasn't an escort. I think she was an agent of some kind. But How does that make way, sense? Why did he give her $100? Make, why does anything in this fucking movie make any fucking sense? Nothing makes sense in this damn movie. Like, my brain hurts. Like, literally, just talking about this. We've only been talking about it. We're an hour, an hour into the film. My brain literally hurts. <laughs> We also, the, those two agents, they have a little conversation about how easy it is to blend into the crowd in Vegas. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why that fucking matters. <sighs> okay, only a half hour to go. <laughs> <laughs> so now, we see a little more driving down the Las Vegas Strip. But then it cuts to like this dilapidated, uh, like a lot of burned out cars and stuff. And he goes... This looks like a target of mine overseas, and it's only five miles outside of Vegas. And we have to, to slow things down here, Mo, because what is happening Do we here? Have to? <laughs> oh yes, we'll speed up again later. Yes, please. What's happening here is some sort of deal between, I guess, the CIA, which those two guys that he just ripped the mustache in front of, those guys must be from the CIA. Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's go with that as an idea. Some sort of Drug transaction between them and an anthrax dealer. Yeah. At this location. So they re- they get there and there's a bunch of people pointing guns. And one of those po- people pointing guns is, I believe, Ari Levin, the star of Las Vegas Bloodbath. Hmm. 
He's got long hair. He doesn't really look like the same guy anymore. But it has been, let's see, that movie was like 87, 88, or 89, actually, I think. So this was, what, 16 years afterwards? I think it could be him. But anyway, (laughs) they set up some sort of transaction where it's, I guess it's like a bioweapon in exchange for anthrax. But Neil is there, and he has a plan. His plan is, when they're about to make the switch, he's going to drop one of them. And then he's going to yell, it broke open, run! And then the bad guys are going to run away, and then they get both the bioweapon and the anthrax. Yeah, and by the way, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at your the pictures for your uh, uh-huh. conspiracy theory here, and it really does look a lot, a lot like him. I'm I'm thinking it probably is him. Like check out the nose and the lips and the, like. I mean, there's a comparison to be made there. Absolutely. Like I thought I was crazy when I when I first saw the name in the credits, I was like, that seems familiar. Then I looked it up, and of course, on his IMDb thing, it does not connect to Las Vegas Bloodbath at all. But I was like, well, it's Vegas. It's the same fucking name. I mean, I'm sure it's a fairly common name, but not so common right. for an actor. And then I was like, well, he plays terrorist number one of two in the movie, so it has to be this guy. Uh, and then I got the picture, and I was like, boy, I I feel confident in this. Uh, but I'm ready for anybody listening to tell me I'm out of my fucking mind. I'll include in the in the show notes the two pictures so you can check it out. Um, so they this transaction with these drugs was apparently a complete success. This is exactly what they wanted to happen. And they give all the credit to Aaron, but he says, your men did just fine. You should be very proud. And so then he drives off, and the two CIA guys, they look at him with this like sense of awe. And this is what we get from the CIA perspective of how they treat him. This is amazing. This is also an example of some other acting in the movie. Where does he go? He's on a quest. Don't ask. He's protected. In the very top, extremely top secret. Last month, we tried to use a drone aircraft to track him. He picked it up with his laptop, (laughs) took control of it, crashed into the ground way before it even reached him. Millions up in smoke. He's done that many times before. <laughs> so the orders up from the top is not to track him or follow him anymore. He's too smart for us. Magician. He's a magician, Mo. He's a magician. Of course he is. He's in Vegas. He makes tuna fish disappear. <laughs> <laughs> So our magic hero uh, then once again sees some hair poking out of a sleeping bag and climbs up some rocks again. And he uh, he decides that he's going to tell us how confused he is by everything that's going on. At this point, I'm thinking to myself, like, wait, he's still setting up the Vegas attack? Like, like is isn't he working for the CIA? Just, yeah, it's like he said he's setting up the Vegas attack, but he just did a job for. Oh, my God, my brain. I think he even says later that he's doing this work to throw them off the the scent or something. Yeah. But uh, maybe maybe that's what this quote is all about, where he maybe. says, "Maybe." I'm so confused and depressed at my double life. <clears throat> How did it get to this point? Where do I go from here? I've got so many questions. I need you. I need you. I miss you. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I've got so many questions. I'm so confused. <laughs> I love that the only that the only punctuation that seems to exist in his life are ellipses. <laughs> you know? Like it's like it's like it's just run on sentence, ellipse, run on sentence. <laughs> 
He ends his conversation with his girlfriend by saying, I need to believe that something extraordinary is possible. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. So now we see him sitting next to a train. And this is where he talks about how he set up fires, subway attacks, and plane crashes as right. diversions while the Las Vegas attack occurs. Because from now on, with 20 minutes left in the movie, we are full steam ahead towards this Las Vegas attack. <laughs> but then it goes back to him just running around some rocks. <laughs> now, there's something really fucked up that happens here. Not the thing that's going to happen in a moment that's fucked up. Something else. There is a part where he's walking around the rocks, right? And mm-hmm. it cuts to four machine guns laying up against the rocks. Right. Then we hear him say, didn't mean to disturb your lunch. And he shoots somebody. But we don't see who he shot or what that was all about. Nope. I That part is so confusing. It, really? Compared to everything else? That part in particular is confusing because it seems so out of place. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, the whole fucking movie seems out of place. I guess. So, uh, <laughs> so we, this we, is. We, yeah, we need to talk about this next scene. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> so he removes his black shirt and puts on a jean vest. Yeah, which is covered in medals, and he proceeds to say um, this. I've been awarded every medal. The Medal of Honor. The Medal for Meritorious Service. <laughs> Defense Meritorious Service. Look, he's just going to keep going. Joint Service. All right, let's fade him out. <laughs> <laughs> he says like like six different medals. Um, because he's such a great, I guess, amazing person who gets all these medals. I don't sure. know why he, put, he puts on this vest. I guess he's trying to remind himself of the person he once was. He's feeling very uh, patriotic. So he talks about how he can create an electromagnetic pulse silently and nobody would know it's him and it would like knock out everything. I don't know what his plan is. I guess that's what he's planning on doing with Vegas. I don't know. So we see a bunch of stock footage of like planes landing and him fucking around on the computer. Then he gets a phone call, a very important phone call, Mo. Very important. We don't know who it's from, but I'm guessing it was from the dude from that house. The, that he unnamed, had the, the unnamed guy from before, yes. So this is what happens. This is this is really confusing. Okay, let's hear it. Yes. No. That's impossible. How can that be? That's impossible. <laughs> it can't be. No, that can't be. I cured her. I cured her. I've got to take this other <laughs> So the suggestion, I guess, is maybe his magic rock doesn't give him magic brain cancer uh, healing powers after all. Yeah, because it's just a rock that was given to him by an old man who was living in the desert. Yeah, an old idiot who fell down and cracked his head open like a fucking moron. And then we see that the magic rock is in one of his tuna cans. Because that's, I mean, because, yeah. Like, (laughs) what the fuck? I love the fact that he's just got a box full of tuna cans in his trunk. Just this huge box just filled with empty tuna cans. 
Okay, so this leads to a moment that is so amazing that I cut it out and put it both on our Facebook group and on Twitter, where the response was very, very positive. He has a little tantrum, I would say, at this point. Oh, and yeah. it, it starts with him hurling himself to the ground and saying this. Can't go on with this. <laughs> I can't go on with this. I'm an American. I'm an American. I love this country. <laughs> my country. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He then proceeds to climb to the top of this mountainous hill that he's next to, run down it while screaming like an absolute lunatic. And that sounds like this. <laughs> He's not done. (laughs) So those two pieces together take up like 45 seconds. And I know that because I cut it out. Now, I didn't didn't put it all in one clip because that would have just been a little too much because there's just silence in between. But I implore you. To go to my uh, to our No Budget Nightmares Facebook group and watch that video clip because it is the most amazing thing in the world. It actually helped me get over my horrific horrific feelings about the recent election. <laughs> there's uh, there's a really great moment as he's running down the hill as they pan in su- or they cut in super close to show that he's running by like a skeletal leg for some yeah, reason. I don't know why. It's like it's for no fucking reason other than the fact that he just happened to have it and like I want to put this in the movie. All right, there's 15 minutes left. Let's get through this. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just power through this fucking thing. He, it's time to go to to do the attack, he says. Yes. So I think what was just happening just then was him feeling very conflicted about the fact that he's doing this attack cuz he's an American, <laughs> what's he doing attacking American soil? Right. He sees his girlfriend a bunch of times. He, uh, she says, for, uh, he goes, forgive me, make time stand still again. I don't give a shit. Then he cuts a piece of metal out of his arm. Right. Which he, is the, which, uh, the tracker, I assume. The bio, I guess it's a tr- Or the bio yeah. implant. I, I guess it makes him able to run really quickly, obviously, down that fucking hill. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, obviously. The, 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 the drawback, though, is he does have to scream like a weirdo when he does it. So Then he wakes up next to his car once again. Seems really surprised that the words help me are next to him, even though he wakes up every day with those next to him. Now, is this the same footage from before? It might be. This seems, like, as I was watching it, like, by this point, I was watching on double speed um, because fuck this movie. And uh, by the time I got to this point, I'm like, like, that looks awfully fucking familiar. (laughs) So he then stands up and looks at his own reflection in, in uh, in the window of his car, and he goes... What are you looking at? Yeah. (laughs) Well, doesn't the doesn't the reflection respond back? Does it? What does it say? I forget. Like there's like there like there is a response back, but I can't remember what he's. No, it doesn't say nothing. It actually no. I'm not. I'm not even joking. It does say something. I just can't fucking remember what it was. Um, I think it's like a shadow of my old self or something to that like, that effect. But it's like, I love the fact that he has like a conversation with the reflection in his car window. <laughs> so then we see some men talking to each other about some sort of Las Vegas connection. We see, I think one of these men step on something, but then we discover that it's actually Aaron stepping on another diode or a bug. Yeah. And he says, they planted this. They know it's me. I don't know what that means. 
I, at this point, I was so confused. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. It. We then get a close-up of Aaron, and he says this. Where are you? <laughs> Where are you? Where are you? We should clarify that this is not the same clip from before. That's this, right. This is a new clip of him screaming, Where are you? We see him run. He falls down and cuts open his arm. And then his girlfriend comes over and waves her hand over the wound and it heals it. Yeah. He gets two laptops that are covered in rocks. He like <laughs> pulls them out of a pile of rocks, right? Then we get a footage of a satellite and uh, he calls oh someone God. and says there's a meeting tomorrow about an imminent strike. And that's when we get four like official government people in the U.S., where one of them is talking about how safe Vegas is, and he's talking to apparently a crowd of people that we never see. So every time he stops talking, there's a bunch of fake clapping that happens. Right, right. I mean, this part is so fucking crazy. Like, there's nothing making sense at this point. Yeah. It is a, It is legitimately a fever dream. So then then we learn that Aaron that the diversions have begun. And we get footage of a football game and space shuttles and someone being taken away in an ambulance and a drug-sniffing dog and people checking into an airport. And then we see him sleeping in his car. (laughs) And he hugs his girlfriend in his dream and he says, when I sleep, I'm with you. When I'm awake, I'm so alone. Which is like the ninth time he said that in this. And then he goes, constant. Then he goes, Las Vegas, here I come. Now you'll be just as alone as I am. Which is strange because I always get the impression he's in Las Vegas the entire fucking time. Right, right, Um, right. So then he seems guilty, I guess. And so he's going to try to stop his attack plan. My my notes in here says he laments in his jean vest. (laughs) Yeah, right? So he stops. He's driving somewhere and he stops his car. And we get footage of wildfires for a second. So I guess he started those two. Yeah. He... Starts rifling through his trunk and dumps out a bunch of tuna cans on the ground and and including just like dumping a laptop on the ground. And then he goes, I know I can stop this attack. (laughs) Then we see some men who are, I don't know who any of them are. They're next to a train and they all have guns in their hands. Well, we're, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. You're, you're, you're forgetting the best part of the entire fucking movie where he calls a bunch of people all at the same time using his 17 different cell phones <laughs> yeah, that's right. and he says to them i'm talking to you all on on conference calls like no you're not you called them all on separate on separate cell phones and we get and we get cuts to each one of the people who he's talking to who i had assumed were actually all at the same place you know, yeah, but nope. The, because like, you know, how can you tell? They're all shot at like a medium headshot from below. You know, yeah, and with the so same background, no markers whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I just assume they're all in the same spot. Nope, I'm talking to you all on on conference. Oy vey. So I guess what he's a telling ridiculous them ridiculous fucking thing. Yeah, he's telling them his plan. Like like what's going to happen. So I oh. guess these guys next to the train are part of his plan, and that they're stopping. Sure. So somebody yeah. kills all of them. Except for one of the guys who are next to the train who pulls a gun and shoots the guy next to him for some reason. Yeah. That is so fucking strange. It makes no fucking sense. The whole fucking movie. Now, those men that he was talking to on the phone where we realize that Neil Breen doesn't understand what a conference call actually is. Yeah. They they then say this afterwards. This event will force us to totally restructure our intelligence system. These are just small distractions. 
compared to what's going to happen to Las Vegas and others. This is more than we could prepare for. Okay. So I guess he hasn't told them yet what's going to happen. So I guess those guys next to the train were part of something else. It's more than they can prepare for. But his next line is, I've done all I can to stop the attack. I hope this proves what side I'm on and that I'm loyal to my country. But doesn't he, didn't he just kill a bunch of people? Yeah, he absolutely just did. And then he looks in his trunk again and he finds that magic rock in the tuna can. So many tuna cans. Look, anyone who's listening right now must think that we're out of our goddamn minds. We're not making this up. This is what happens in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, we're they, we're co- we're covering this movie the same way we cover every other movie. It's just that this movie makes no fucking sense. Like most of the movies we cover make have moments that make no fucking sense, but at least there's sort of a plot line keeping everything together. This movie makes no fucking sense. So now it's just a <laughs> from here till till the end of the movie. There's just stuff that happens. It's just stuff. He, he says to nobody in particular, I know they are coming for me. I need your help m- more than ever. I guess he's talking to his girlfriend. He runs off into the cliffs for the millionth time, runs into a younger version of himself and the younger version of the girlfriend. He right. says, don't, don't leave me. Please come back. He carries his girlfriend down the cliff, but every time he does, she keeps vanishing. She occasionally disappears. Yeah. Yeah. Then we see him crush his laptop with a rock and he yells and cries. Of course. Then we see her carry, seeing him carry her down a rocky path, and then he watches his younger self walk away down that path, and his younger self sort of beckons him to follow, and he goes, I'm sorry, but it had to be this way. And then we see a car driving away, and we see that his girlfriend is in the back seat of it. Right. And because, he goes, Because the cameraman's in the front. He goes, Thank you for loving me. She looks concerned, and he just smiles. Then he goes, forgive me, it has to be this way. There's stock footage of just a camera flying over some mountains, and it fades out, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. What happened at the end of the movie? I, Did he kill himself? I would, I'm would. i assuming he killed himself. Why but didn't he kill himself who, at who the who beginning of the movie? I wish he had done that at the beginning of the fucking movie. Just I don't, I don't mean that in a flippant way, like, oh, this movie's so bad, why didn't he kill himself? I don't understand why he went through all of that just to kill himself at the end when he right. was talking the whole time about, like, his girlfriend is just basically saying, kill yourself. His parents are like, kill yourself. His younger self is saying, kill yourself. So why did he wait so fucking long? Yeah, see, I, on the other hand, am saying this in a flippant sort of way where it's just, why don't you just fucking kill yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> so does that mean, by the way, he killed himself so in three days in the seven major cities, <laughs> the fucking bioweb is going off, it's going to kill everybody? <laughs> Welcome oh, to Trump's like, America. This is the problem when you have, when you have a bioterrorist with a fucking uh, with a fucking depression disorder. Yeah, right. Christ. I oh, like how like the government the government must know that he's horrifically depressed and murderous <laughs> all the time, and they're like they've decided it's like he's a magician. We can't even track him. Yeah, we can't even track him. Oh Jesus Christ. So, let's talk about these closing credits. Yeah. (laughs) They feature the name Neil Breen several times. It's like 90%. With with the exception of the cast, 90% of this movie is is just Neil Breen. Which, by the way, it doesn't matter if that's the case, if you did all the work on your movie. Yeah. Do not fill your credits with your name because it makes it look like you are either uh, have a giant ego 
or that your movie was not <laughs> that you didn't like that you didn't collaborate in the making of it, which explains right. why you have to take all the uh, blame for it. Right. But there's there is one weird element about these credits. Do tell, because you know I barely ever watch the full credits. Well, it it lists all of these credits, and it has Neil Breen's name next to almost every one. And then there's a credit for lighting and a credit for makeup and hair. And next to them, it says none. Huh. Why put? Why even bother putting the credit in there? Why bother even put? It's like he was proud of it. And then it says catering Neil Breen. <laughs> well, it is the know, craziest thing. Like I, I, I'm imagining, I I'm imagining the tuna lunches that the uh, that the cast had for this. There's one. an image of this over on our No Budget Nightmares Facebook group. Please check it out. It is, I I can't even explain how confusing it was to see this. Look, this isn't supposed to be a joke, but right? this movie is so serious. It's hilarious, right? Because it's it like takes itself. Serious as a heart attack. But this closing credit, the nun next to lighting, just, I can't even imagine why he would have done that. Yeah. But that's the end of 2005's Double Down, directed by Neil Breen. It is one of the craziest fucking movies I've ever seen. It's legit one of the craziest movies that we've ever covered and that I've ever seen. What we've learned on this show, No Budget Nightmares, the podcast that you and I both host, Mo, Mo, is that sometimes... There's a really fine line between surreal and incompetent, right? Yeah. Because something could be surreal, like a Jodorowsky movie, right? And sure. But th- then someone could be really just really bad at making movies, so their movie makes no sense because they don't know how to make a movie. And I think that's what this is. But there is some legitimately surreal stuff here because he's not trying to make a movie with a standard plot. He's trying to make something, I think, bigger and more interesting. And the result is completely incomprehensible. Yeah. It's fucking nutso. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I can recommend Double Down. I also wouldn't necessarily call it like one of the worst movies that we watched on No Budget Nightmares. But I will say that it is very much in the top percentile of the most confusing movies that we've watched. I would say if it's not if it's not the most confusing movie we've ever seen we've ever watched, then I would say it's top. Three, but I couldn't even begin to imagine what the other two would be. So for right now, I'm calling this the most incomprehensible film we've we've watched to date. I will say that this movie probably works a lot better with a group of people watching it as opposed. Yeah, to- this is this is the kind. This is definitely the kind of movie where you want to get like you know three or four of your friends. You know, people who are sort of already into this sort of weird. weird and by shit. your friends, we mean bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you would definitely want to have enough for each of you to get thoroughly shit faced, um, because you're gonna fucking need it. Like I'm not not even kidding, man. Like like just through the course of today, watching this movie this morning and then talking about it tonight, my brain hurts so much. Like I am like I'm gonna have to take some serious medication when I'm done with this because I, my head is just pounding. Yeah, I mean yeah. even. Rich Evans from uh, Red Letter Media tried to explain the plot and basically had some sort of psychotic breakdown. That's actually one of my favorite fucking things that that Red Letter's ever done, and they've done some <laughs> really fa- they've done some really fantastic things. But 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 Rich Evans trying to explain this movie is probably one of my favorite things they've ever done. I mean, he did as 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 comprehensive a job as we did, which is yeah. saying something. And it only took uh, him five minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Well, we are coming to the end of this episode of No Budget Nightmares, Mo. But we have, this time, discussed about what we're going to be covering next. And in fact, I should mention, by the way, since I'm heading to Newfoundland uh, on the 8th uh, or 9th of December, uh, our next episode will be our final one before Christmas. Yeah. So we've picked a special Christmas episode movie to cover here on No Budget Nightmares, Mo. Die Hard? Not Die Hard. (laughs) Damn it. It's Die Hard Dracula once again. (laughs) No! (laughs) No, it's not Die Hard Dracula either. No, I I suggested to Mo that we watch a film directed by Conrad Brooks, he of of Ed Wood Films fame, and uh, Mo hesitantly agreed... Because he's apparently had had I have, his, I have history. Yeah, I have history with Conrad Brooks. We'll talk about that on the next episode. Uh, and we're going to watch, uh, I believe it's pronounced Jangle, The Beast from the East from 1999. The uh, the first of the trilogy of the Jangle movies. Now, it also might be Jangle, how it's pronounced. Uh, if you watch the trailer, it's spelled differently, the title is, than it is in the Internet Movie Database. But yeah, we're going to watch Jangle, The Beast from the East from 1999 on the special holiday episode of No Budget Nightmares. Mo! Yes? If people want to find out more about No Budget Nightmares, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, they can go right onto Facebook. Do a little searchy search for No Budget Nightmares. Uh, or they can do uh, go straight there. Facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. One word. You can always get the latest episode of No Budget Nightmares over at dorkshelf.com. It's where my writing is as well. If you want to check out older episodes, if you want to find a link to our Facebook group, a link to our Patreon campaign, a link to all sorts of goodies and writing and whatnot, it's over on our website at nobudgetpodcast.com. Dot com. Please head over there. You can also find links to both uh, Mo and my Twitter feed. I'm at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. E-Y. Mo is at Drunk on VHS, all one word. And he loves to tweet, so you want to get over there. Yeah, yeah, right? I tweet all the time. Right this moment. Uh, Mo, <laughs> you got anything else going on? You can tell, man, I'm getting tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm super, super fucking tired. This movie um, took a lot out of me. It, me too, man. Me too. I was not kidding. Uh, no, I haven't done anything recently. Um... I gotta shoot an email over to uh, to John at uh, After Movie Diner and see if he's got anything new for me to review. But yeah, I haven't done anything in particular. Life's been pretty slow. Life has been too fast for me, man. That's why I can't get anything done. But you know, I'm gonna be in Newfoundland, and there nothing happens ever. So <laughs> I'll have a lot of time, hopefully, to catch up on a few projects. Then, uh, Mo, uh, have you uh, watched a movie lately? Um, nothing of any importance. I mean. Uh, I watched uh, Encino. Double Down? I watched Encino Man. Oh, the classic. Uh, Yeah, and then I had this weird thought in my head, which I kind of wish I didn't have, but I thought to myself after watching Encino Man, I'm like, well, maybe Pauly Shore films aren't as bad as I remember them. So I decided to watch Son-in-Law and immediately regretted it. But I finished it anyway, because I'm like, I'll finish this, why not? And like I've I've discovered that there's nothing I hate quite more than when people who aren't Pauly Shore try to do that fucking annoying yeah, Pauly Shore voice. Yeah, that that <laughs> shit. And like and like I, remembering the uh, the father character who I can't remember the actor's name, but he's a respectable actor. Um, at the end of uh, Son-in-Law doing the Pauly Shore and munch on some grindage, and I'm like, oh my god, just. <laughs> Like, dude, you're a respectable actor. Come on. 
but yeah, it's uh, it's it's it was pretty rough. So I, I'm not gonna further my uh, my Poly Shore viewing. <laughs> I can see how you don't have time to be doing any writing, Mo. What with all of your time devoted to Poly Shore movies. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I uh, I watched Doctor Strange in the theater. I have not seen it yet. It's pretty good. It's visually pretty fucking cool actually that's what, and it's, that's what i hear yeah and one of those movies that one of those rare movies where 3d actually does seem to add to the experience though i have to say i don't know man most 3d experiences to me they have the brightness so low it's hard to tell what the fuck is going on a lot sure of the time. sure yeah uh and i know that there's a real reason for that they I, they're supposed to switch the bulbs and stuff and they don't because they're trying to save money and i'm like fuck projectionists <laughs> in 2016 <laughs> because i don't think they know what the fuck they're doing Fuck everything uh, in 2016. It's the worst fucking year ever. It is. You know what? I think 2016. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna put it out there. The worst year in the history of the world. I. It, <laughs> I don't know how true that is, but it's certainly. No. It, it's the worst year of. I've my done lifetime. some research yeah. on this, and yeah. it's the worst. It's the worst year ever. Okay. I'll. I'll. I'll uh, hey, I'll, look, there's still I'll, a month to go. I'll just go me. with it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're thinking of some horrible thing from history. There's still a month left in this month in this year. Sorry, where that thing can be replicated. It's true. Uh, I also saw the original Hercules movie with Steve Reeves in it. Nice. And uh, Mario Baba does the special effects and lighting in that movie, which is why I watched it. I'm actually kind of going over some old Mario Bava work and, uh, it's a pretty entertaining movie. That's Steve Reeves. He was a muscular gentleman. Yes, he was. And, uh, and actually I did go on to watch the, uh, the sequel though. I haven't uh, quite finished it at this point, but yeah, not a bad movie. Still hard to believe it made like a million billion dollars back in 1958. (laughs) (laughs) Mo, you sound tired. I'm so fucking exhausted. And I, and I still need to like go to work. This is going to yeah. be the longest night ever. Yeah, some guy jizzing on you while you're asleep. I uh, hope not. Well, let's hope it doesn't happen, Mo. But it could happen because it's 2016. <laughs> It'd be the nice cherry at the top of my year. Being well, just on at work. I'm, I'm glad I got you up early enough, Mo, that you don't have to take a taxi cab to your place of work. I couldn't afford to anyway. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, Mo, we should say goodnight to everybody since next time... Right before Christmas, you'll be enjoying Conrad Brooks's Jangle, Jangle, The Beast, <laughs> Beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow, 1999. We'll be talking about that next time on No Budget Nightmares. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. I can't go on with this. I can't go on with this. I'm an American. I'm an American. I love this country. I love my country. 